Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Wednesday, June the 7th, 2023 at 12.06 p.m. Central Time. Now, if you took a bunch of people, you put them in a sanctuary, you put them in a church, and you tell everyone to grab their Bibles, and you tell them, hey, guys, we have to solve, we have to fix, we have to come to a conclusion so that we can bring peace and unity over a doctrinal issue. You bring all of these people together, they have their Bibles, they're sitting inside a church, they're inside a church, they're holding a Bible, and you're like, okay, guys, here's the doctrinal issue, here's the theological issue, here's the thing tearing us apart, here's the thing causing the debate, here's the thing causing the division, but we all have a Bible. Now, everyone, open your Bible. Let's work together. Do you think that everyone having a Bible, everyone looking at the Bible, do you think they can come to a conclusion that would bring unity and would resolve the debate and the debate would be over? Do you think if everyone had a Bible and opened it, it would fix the problem? It would just be the, it, it, hey, there's no more division. We all agree. Do you think that that would work? Now, I think most of you know deep down that no, it's not going to resolve the problem. No, it's not going to solve the problem. In fact, after about an hour or two of everyone having a Bible looking at the issue, you may come even to more. A new camp may emerge. A new group may emerge going, no, 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 no. You're giving us two or three options. We believe that the correct answer is the fourth option. And here's the fourth. And they would, and all the sides, everyone arguing, everyone debating would all be holding up a Bible saying the word of God says, how dare you go against the word of God? Every side would say something like that. I don't know if they would use that voice, but you get the idea. Now, does that reality bother you in any way, shape, or form? Does that reality bother you? And does this reality, because that's just a reality. Look, I'm asking it maybe as a question, but it's kind of almost rhetorical because we know the answer. It's not going to resolve the problem. In fact, it may make the problem actually worse. And what happens is everyone's like, well, the reason they believe that is because they're biblically illiterate. They don't know anything. And the other side like, no, you don't know anything. No, you don't know anything. You need to read your Bible. No, you need to read your Bible. And everyone is, everyone's holding a Bible, but no, 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 we're not coming any closer together. Now, I don't know about you, that drives me absolutely crazy. It's discouraging, it's depressing, it's defeating. It's just, I, I, I don't even have words for it. I'm just gross so tired of it. But then here's what happens. Everyone's holding a Bible. The, the situation is not resolved. The debate is not ended. And at some point in the debate, someone will say, well, if they don't believe what we believe, they are not even Christians. They are not saved. And immediately we start throwing people out of the family of God. Boom. Hey, 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 hey. you don't believe what we believe. You're not a Christian. You don't. Nope. You're not a Christian. And then we start throwing people out of Christianity based off maybe a doctrinal dispute or a doctrinal difference. Which raises another question, how, how, you know, how much of a doctrinal difference can there be before someone ceases to be a Christian? 
Now, all of these issues are being mentioned because of one news article that was published today at the Christian Post. I I was sitting here wanting to talk about Jeremiah chapter 2. That's what I was wanting to talk about and, and to look at some of the things that people have emailed me in regards to kind of an assignment I gave in, in Jeremiah chapter two, but I was going to kind of do it for the today's focus. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really fit the today's focus. It really fits the Bible study exercise podcast series. So it's noon. What do I do for today's focus? What do I do for today's focus? So I'm like, I'll open up the Christian post. And I opened up the Christian post and here's the first headline I see in historic vote. Christian and Missionary Alliance approves pastor titles for women. In historic vote, Christian and Missionary Alliance approves pastor titles for women. Now, this is going to obviously the uh, a long, I won't say, I, I mean, pretty much a, a, a long go, well, how long? I, well, it, it's been ongoing. It's a long, ongoing debate within some circles of Christianity about can a woman be a pastor or not a pastor. There's some denominations are already they already allow it. There's not even a debate there. It's just normal. There's other denominations who still stand against it. You got some denominations where the denomination seems to be against it. But some of the churches within that denomination are going against it or, or trying to rebel against it or fight against it. Uh, for example, Rick Warren's church and the Southern Baptist, they were kind of put out of the Southern Baptist. Now Rick Warren's trying to get reinstated back into the Southern Baptist because, hey, you know, this, this, we're, we're looking at this the wrong way. So I guess this is a long ongoing debate within certain segments of Christianity. Other segments of Christianity, it's not really a debate. Women can't be pastors and everyone just kind of moves on, but it, it continues to show up up in different denominations, all right? And you can say it, it has spread to more and more denominations, probably indicating this is going to become a bigger and bigger issue over the next, I don't know, five to 10 years. I think it will only, it's, I think the issue will only become a much more heated debate than it has been. Or maybe, you know, I guess it just depends on how, how close you look at what's going on in the Christian world. But they call this a historic vote, that the Christian and Missionary Alliance approves pastor titles for women. Now, listen to me carefully. I am not as much interested in this episode to get into the long, you know, ongoing debate about women and should they, can they be pastors? Can they not be pastors? Do how do we look at this? Looking at the two sides, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not so much in wanting to get into that never-ending debate in this episode. But there was something in the article. They just like literally jumped off the page and hit me. And it has to do with kind of how I, I introduced this today's focus episode, right? About why can't people just open the Bible and come to a conclusion? And when do you start throwing people out of the body of Christ? Because this article and the comments that follow it are all pretty much deals with these issues. Let me explain. Are you ready? Let's look at the article. The Christian and Missionary Alliance, a denomination of over 2,000 churches uh, with a statement of faith that aligns with the majority of evangelical Christianity, has voted to allow women to serve in pastoral roles. Now, please hear that. A faith statement that aligns with the majority of evangelical Christianity. Just keep that in mind. The historic vote was part of CMA's, the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, general counsel in Spokane, Washington, last week. 
Over 60% of delegates at the General Council approved updating the CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance Statement of Faith, to reflect that at the discretion of local churches, of local church leadership, official workers, whether male or female, may use the title of pastor or reverend for specific ministry roles. The changes means that females may be ordained for pastoral roles with the exception of senior or lead pastor roles, which require male eldership. CMA Director of Media Relations, uh, Peter Burgos, said the main reason for the statement rewrite were to refresh the language to make it more readable and relevant to future generations and to clarify through the updated language that in this era of ambiguity regarding gender, God created male and female. Before the vote, uh, only male workers were eligible for ordination while female workers were eligible for consecration, Burgo told the uh, Christian Post. Since both processes required the same theological and spiritual qualifications, it was voted by accredited delegates at the Alliance General Council in 2023 that all workers— Male and female who meet these standards, uh, standard qualifications for ministry shall be considered ordained and consecrated, he wrote via email. Right. So we can, you know, we can we can get into the 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 debate here, but just keep listening because there's going to come there's going to come a sentence that for me is the is my focus on well today's focus all right so here we go keep let's keep reading uh they acknowledge the varying views on the topic of women and spiritual uh leadership held by the US alliance churches noting that while some churches have been planted by women in positions of leadership other churches still hold fast to a strict complementarian position rather than dictate how all churches must align on these issues, General Council passed resolutions that give local church elder and governing bodies more latitude in determining the best course of action for their congregation and ministries. He added, we believe that because of this freedom, our movement will remain strong and united for generations to come. So it sounds like what they decided to do is like, hey, 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 instead of just trying to be like, this is the way it has to be, we're going to allow congregations to have more freedom so that each con- congregation can decide possibly, I I, I mean, I'm, I'm reading a little between the lines to maybe to avoid a complete split and, you know, all the things that's happened within, say, the United Methodist Church, right? Say, hey, look, if you don't like, if you don't like, having women in these roles, well, you don't have to do it in your local church. But if the church six miles away wants to do it, they can. So in other words, allowing, I guess, freedom for the congregations to decide for themselves, meaning therefore, I I guess that's supposedly as a way to try to appease every side. That's what it feels like to me. You may read it a little differently, but that's what it feels like to me. All right. Now they go on in a video blog last month. U.S. Alliance president said, and I quote, I believe we're making the CMA statement of faith more understandable to this generation and strengthen some weaknesses from the past. We're passing on something stronger for our next generation of licensing, ordination, consecration, and membership within the Christian and Missionary Alliance family. As part of the council's proceedings, the Alliance reaffirmed several 
long-held, deeply rooted beliefs, including, all right, now here are the ones that they have included, all right, um, which now this is the statements they have. I would have to look at the actual statement of faith to see if they if there's more to this. Now, remember, the article said that this these these statements are in line with, as they said, uh, where did they say it? Um, where did they say it? Um, in line with the majority of evangelical Christianity. So they say the majority of evangelical Christianity believes the following. All right. God is the creator of all. All right. Jesus was sent by the Father. Okay. The Holy Spirit is the giver of spiritual gifts. The fruit of the Spirit is given to us. Now, I just find it, I don't know if the statement of faith, in fact, does it, does it offer a link to the statement of faith? All right. Here is, all right. Um, here is the actual statement of faith. There is one God who is infinitely perfect, existing eternally in three persons. Okay. I wanted to make sure that they uh, were, uh, you know, had a more, a more uh, detailed explanation that would cover the Trinity because the statements they have here are just bullet points. And I'm like, wait, where's the Trinity in this? Okay. God is the creator of all. Jesus was sent by the Father. The Holy Spirit is the giver of spiritual gifts. The fruit of the Spirit is given to us. Justification is through faith. I don't know why they don't have the word alone. I'm going to go to their actual statement of faith. Um. Okay, wait, where is their statement on justification? It says, uh, salvation has been provided through Jesus Christ and those who repent and believe in him are born again of the Holy Spirit, receive the gift of eternal life and become the children of God. It's interesting they don't say alone. That is kind of interesting. Typically, that's kind of stressed, but okay, all right. Um, they Justification is through faith. Deliverance from dominion of darkness is ours. Transfer of king, kingdom is through God's son alone. And now here's the thing that really, one of, one of the things that caught my attention, healing is available for the whole person. Well, that seems to imply they believe physical healing is guaranteed for the here and now, which if that's the majority of the evangelical world, if they believe, if the majority of the evangelical world believes healing is available for the whole person and they mean that here and now on planet Earth, well, then, I, then I'm not in agreement anymore with the majority of the evangelical church. I'm completely outside of it, which once again would show they would quote scripture, I would use scripture, and none of us would come to an agreement, which again is discouraging. And we'll go back to their statement of faith to see, do they um, have anything? Um, they Yeah, they don't have anything specifically stated here. Their statement of faith is very... Um, basic, like they don't offer very many details. And I think the reason you do that, um, yeah, see, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. They don't, they don't have anything actually there. So I don't know where that is being pulled from. I'd have to do a little bit more research, but if they mean that healing is guaranteed for, or is available for everyone here and now, obviously God does not, I mean, oh, don't even get me started on, on the whole thing. All right. They continue. 
The delegation clarified positions on the premillennial view of the return of Christ without disqualifying those with varying millennial views from ministry. So you can have you can have a different view on the millennial kingdom or or the lack thereof. No, or we're in the millennial kingdom now. There's a future millennial kingdom. There's no millennial kingdom. Well, however, you can have different views on that, and you're good to go. You're good to go. You can still be in in the ministry, a part of this denomination. About 500,000 people worship in uh, 2,000 CMA churches in the U.S., according to the denomination. The church also has 700 workers doing missionary work in 70 countries. This year's general council was the culmination of a national conversation launched in 2019 to address several topics, including retaining male leadership, uh, titling, and ordination slash consecration. In 2021, uh, in a 2021 interview, uh, the uh, it was stated that the undertaking would be deliberate and biblical in its execution while avoiding particular hot-button theological debates. So we want to be... <laughs> We want to be deliberate, we want to be biblical, but we want to avoid hot-button theological debates. So I, it, it's almost like, where can we find a way where we don't offend anyone? That's what it feels like to me, but okay. We're not moving pe- fast, but I do believe we can move together with our policy manual in hand and our Bible on top of it. So we got to have our Bible and we got to have our policy manual. Now, the Bible is supposed to be on top of it. Now, that sounds good, right? That sounds wonderful. But I wonder how many times when we all do this, we have a conclusion, we have a way of thinking, and then we go and find that way of thinking and that conclusion in the Bible. I mean, it's such an, like, did your policy manual arrive from scripture? Are you now reading the policy manual into scripture that look, that distinction is not always easy to determine. Hey, this is what we believe. Here's the scripture that proves it. Well, of course you're going to, you're going to, you're going to now see it in the scriptures because you've already stated this is what you believe. So yeah, yeah, but okay. But that's not the the line that jumped out at me. Here we go. Now listen carefully. This is, this is such a powerful statement, right? We're, We're not moving fast. But I do believe we can move together with our policy manual in hand and our Bible on top of it, so to speak. He said, and I quote, here's a quote. We didn't, nor will we attempt the national exegetical debate on Pauline and other relevant passages. Okay, we didn't do, we didn't decide to debate this and we're not going to a debate and the exegetical debate on Pauline, in other words, passages by Paul that may speak about women in leadership or, or the exclusion of women from leadership. We're not going to engage in that exegetical debate. We didn't engage in it. We're not going to engage in it. Like, hey, we're just not going to do that. We, we just tried to find a policy that maybe gives people, the individual churches freedom, but we're not going to, and isn't that weird? This is a denomination that says, we're not going to engage in an exegetical debate. <laughs> that I don't. I find that somewhat humorous, but that's still not the line that jumped out at me. All right, so let me read this all again. All right, here we go. We're not moving fast, but I do believe we can move together with our policy manual in hand and our Bible on top of it, so to speak. He said, we didn't, nor will we attempt the national exegetical debate on Pauline and other relevant passages. Now, here is the, the, the quote. Some have thought 
that if we just open our Bibles together, we will all come up with the same conclusion. Some have thought that if we just open our Bibles together, we'll all come up with the same conclusion. I don't believe that to be accurate because I've witnessed how deeply some of us have wrestled with the scriptures coming to different conclusions and holding those conclusions dearly. <laughs> you got, I, I, does that not just make you just want to give up? Hey, somebody thought, I mean, I know some people thought that if we just opened up all our Bibles, we would all come to the same conclusion, but that's not accurate because it's just not the way it, it works. If people open their Bible, they study, and they come to radically, dramatically different conclusions, and that's just the way it is. So since we cannot come to a conclusion by opening our Bibles, then all we can do is say, hey, your church can do it this way, your church can do it this way, and we will all just be happy, a big happy family. Because if we try to get very specific, if we try to get very dogmatic, if we try to engage in this exegetical debate, then all we'll probably end up doing is splitting the denomination and creating problems. So, so the answer is appeasement. It can't be because nobody can come to a conclusion. Is that not maddening to you? First of all, that, that 100% proves to me once again that when Christians say the Holy Spirit's leading us into all truth, that's absolute nonsense because clearly he's not because there would be one, that we would be unified. Clearly it's not the case. That promise was for those who wrote the New Testament, which I believe what were led into all truth and gave us the truth of God found in the word of God. And number two, it clearly demonstrates that that you can get 50 people with a Bible, open it up, and you'll probably come up with a hundred different conclusions. Meaning finding truth is almost a, an exercise in utter futility because of the way it works. And, and when I say that people get mad and they'll, they'll you know, oh, how dare he? It's just the reality. Get, get, you know, 15. I mean, just think about all, I, I, I mention this all the time. Think about the things that there are, there is no agreement on in Christianity. We don't agree on baptism. We don't agree on the Lord's Supper. We do not agree on even how the church is to be structured or led. We don't even agree on the definition of the word repentance. We don't agree on salvation. I mean, there are so many variations on how we believe we're saved. Like it is crazy from lordship to non-lordship, from Pelagian, semi-Pelagian, Calvinistic, Arminian, Augustinian. You can just go on and 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 on. Now, everyone will say, no, 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 no. See, if you can make it vague, you can say, see, everyone agrees on this because you can't be too specific. The more specific you become in your theological language, the more division it will create. So you have to be so vague that you could drive a semi through it because if you get very specific and narrow, oh, then that's not going to work. There's going to be a split. They go on to say, the uh, while the Roman Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, and the Southern Baptist Convention do not permit the ordination of women, several other denominations have gradually come to allow women to become pastors, priests, bishops, and even hold positions of leadership. United Church of Christ, United Methodist Church, Presbyterian Church USA are among several denominations that have voted to allow the ordination of women, even as those denominations have faced uh, disaffiliation votes over stances on homosexuality, ordination, and other issues. So meaning slowly but surely more and more denominations are doing this. And and and, and I think we're going to see it probably even spread over the next five to 10 years. I think, I think, I don't think it's going 
going to get back. I, I think people are going to become more and more vague in their theological statements and doctrinal statements instead of more specific. At least that's my feeling. That's my feeling. Now, so that's the end of the, the article. Again, the part that stood out to me is this idea that, oh, we thought we could just open our Bibles and come to the same conclusion, but clearly we can't. And then I went to the comments. Oh, boy. All right. So let's just get going through the comments. This is on a Christian website, meaning that a large number of the people who come to this website, I would assume, profess to be Christians because I doubt they would be hanging out at a Christian website, right? All right. At least that's the assumption. All right. So I'm just going to start reading some of these articles. Here we go again. So-called religious denominations making others twice as much as a child of hell as themselves. Satan loves to ride on the back of denominational truth, always mixing true things with lies as not to be so apparently evil. Women set under the teaching of Jesus. Women set under the teaching of the apostles. However, not one example of women teaching, preaching publicly in the New Testament. It's obvious that the word limits women in their service to the, uh, to the Christian church. Women can prophesy, sing, give testimony, pray. However, they are specifically directed not to lead an authority nor teach in the New Testament church. Now, once again, please note, denominations making others twice as much as a child of hell. So if you teach, if your denomination says a woman can be ordained, are you making people a child of hell? I may disagree, but are you making people a child of hell? I, I hate charismatic theology, loathe every ounce of it. But are they making children, are they making people a child of hell? I think they're teaching things that are utterly damaging, psychologically scarring and horrible. But I, I, I like, I, are they making them a child of hell? See, this, this is, so, so we have the first issue. Why can't we just open a Bible and come to a conclusion? And secondly, when do we start throwing people out? Oh, wait, 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 wait. They made a vote to allow churches to determine if women can be ordained. Like, no, they're making people a child of hell. I mean, that's, that's a big statement. Let's continue. Um, another person, any group that permits women pastors will and do course, right? The, the webpage just refreshed. All right. Let me go back down here. Uh, any group that permits women pastors will in due course permit LGBT or transgender leaders and will perform same-sex marriages. Agreed, Don. The first, first the church accepts women pastors, then next up the acceptance of sodomites and transvestites, which will turn CMA away from God towards and towards. Uh, and then I don't, I, I don't know what that symbol is supposed to be. Oh, communism. All right. So. I get. I so if you ordain a woman, women to pastors, next thing you know, you're going to be uh, ordaining homosexuals, and then you'll become a communist. I guess. All right. That's the slippery slope argument. Uh, we won't get into all of that. Here we go. Next, like it or not, it's a biblical. It's biblical and truth filled fact that women aren't allowed to be pastors. If you need verses, I'm happy to share. Uh, okay. And then someone says, "Not Pauline, go." All right. So someone's like, "Okay, give me give me that teaching uh, outside of Paul." because the issue always becomes Paul, all right? Someone else says, agreed, Rachel. God says no to female pastors and has good reasons for his judgment. Now, here we go. Now, next, someone says, no surprises here. 
Biblical illiteracy is rampant and apostasy is growing. As scripture declared that it would be, the churches are filled with tares among the wheat. Now, immediately, the argument is these people are biblically illiterate. Like, so you're saying that these denominational leaders who made this decision are like, they've never read the Bible. Like, the, you immediately just assume they don't know the scriptures. Now, look, I, when I was a young Christian, I would say these very same, oh, the reason they don't believe what I believe is they've never read the Bible. And then you realize how utterly foolish that is. There are people who disagree with you who may have read the Bible more than you. They may even be able to read it in the Greek, read it in the Hebrew, read it in the Aramaic. Why do you think just because they disagree with you that it means they're illiterate or they're ignorant? It could be they know more than you and just have a different opinion. But I, I, you can't do that. Christians, no, no, no. The the reason you do is because you're... Now, I do believe it's perfectly right. And I do believe it is perfectly uh, the correct way to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We have a disagreement here. Now, before we continue the disagreement, let's do study. Let's make sure that we do know this. Let's make sure we have studied this. And then you can take your study and my study. And then we can see if we've come any closer together or for further apart. I got no problem demanding study. I got no problem calling to ensure that there isn't an issue of ignorance or illiteracy. I got no problem calling for that. But you can't just assume because someone comes to a different conclusion about scripture that they're illiterate or or ignorant. That's just not, that's just, that's the Christian, like, oh, it's the standard way Christians handle this. Next, for rebellion is the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry, someone quotes. Uh, okay, yes, someone just said, yes, over time it has become more and more frustrating that everyone uses the same Bible and no one agrees. But you can't overlook that all the gradual changes over time always seem to align with changes in culture. Now, that is true. That is true. There's no question about that. That you, we cannot deny the impact of culture on the church. We cannot deny that. I mean, that goes all the way back to 1 Corinthians. Uh, whenever I w- went verse by verse through 1 Corinthians, I started every sermon the same way. 1 Corinthians is a letter written to a church located in a city. The city was influencing the church more than the church was influencing the city. I said that week after week after week for like four, three years, four years, ever how long it took for us to get through the book. Um, and I will continue to say that the church is always influenced by culture. Always. Now, the thing is, is sometimes we recognize the influence of culture and we will condemn it. And other ways we, uh, we accept the influence of culture and we won't even see it or condemn it. So, but yeah, I do agree that that is a K that is a reality. Now, here we go. Let's continue. National exegetical debate on Pauline and other relevant passages. Somehow the problem is always Paul. Well, there, there's true there. Of course, there's debate. Spiritual war. Now, this person, I don't think I actually read the article. They said, of course, there's debate. Well, I, remember, they, the, the denomination says they're not going to engage in the debate. But OK, um, there is no problem with Paul. There's a problem with those who think Paul is a problem. I hear you. By word count, Paul, via the Holy Spirit, wrote approximately one fourth of the New Testament. I love Paul's writings. Someone else says, yes, I have a problem with Paul as do many others. So immediately, even in the comments, there's not agreement on, 
Is Paul a problem? Is not a problem? Immediately there's disagreement. Then someone else comes on and says, then you may have a problem with the Holy Spirit or misunderstanding that some things were cultural while others are doctrinal and relational. It's about authority and headship. Now, this person didn't realize that they had just walked into a trap because they're like, well, yeah, look, the, the problem uh, the problem is the Holy, you may have a problem with the Holy Spirit and misunderstanding. You misunderstand. And then they acknowledge that some things is cultural in the Bible. In other words, sometimes in the Bible, we read things and it's dealing with a cultural issue that is different from our culture. And so we don't say that that cultural issue has to be brought over to our culture, right? Sometimes we'll say, well, no, no, that was, a, that was something in their culture. It doesn't really apply to us. And then other times we'll be like, no, 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 that's a doctrinal issue. It does apply to us. This is an, a never-ending debate within sometimes hermeneutics. So, of course, you know what the next question is going to, to – you know exactly what the next question is going to be. The person responds, some things were cultural where others are doctrinal relational, but which are which and which are just the way Paul wants his churches to be? Is every word wrote the word of God for all eternity or not? Now, immediately someone's like, well, wait a minute. If some things are cultural, and some things are not cultural, then which part is the cultural part that's not applicable? Then that, that, this is the kind of thing that always happens. Some people will grab onto one passage and go, no, 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 no. That was just a cultural thing. It's not, it's not for us today. And others will be like, no, it is for us today. Right? Like in, in the book of Acts, when they sold all of their property and had everything in common. Well, no, 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 no. That was not telling us. That was that was just descriptive. It wasn't prescriptive. And then they'll go, what, maybe 10 verses over in, in the book of Acts and go, that's that's prescriptive. That's telling us what we must do. Well, wait a minute. You just, wait, wait. They, they seem to have gone to church every day. Well, no, no, that was for, the, that's not now. We don't have to go to church every day now. Well, they sold all of their property. Well, no, 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 no. But then the, the three verses over, that's for us. And, and no one ever realizes how difficult it can become. Why? Nobody can ever come to an agreement. Uh, this person goes on to say, um, Okay, and then someone says, uh, because someone said they had a problem with Paul, you should tell that to Jesus who appointed him. I agree with others. I have zip, nada, none problem with Paul's writings. And then the person, next person quoted, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. <laughs> Meaning you have no problem with Paul wrote and he told slaves to obey their masters. So you're saying we should still have slavery? See, I love watching these arguments unfold in the comment section under Christian articles because it's all these Christians and everyone's arguing and fighting and no one stops to go, guys, aren't we all using the same Bible? See, that person just quoted scripture. You have no problem with Paul. So when Paul told slaves to obey their masters, you're like, that's the way it should be. There should never have been anything to change slavery. Or was slavery an evil? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, everyone gets really quiet. <laughs> then, okay, here we go. Uh, and, and I say, where's, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to read every one of these quote, uh, ones because it just goes crazy, 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 crazy. But where is the one I was looking for? All right. Uh, okay, here we go. 
Okay, here we go. Here's the, here's the one I wanted to see. This was posted an hour ago. There is no biblical support anywhere for women to be pastors. Those who think women can be pastors are simply lost. They are false Christians. The natural man who does not receive the things of the spirit. Didn't take very long, did it? One hour I think one hour after the, po- the and then that's the second, I think the second or third, or there we already had someone else who implied the people were lost, but this one just comes out. If you believe women can be ordained as ministers, that's it. You're lost. You're not a, you're not a true Christian. You've thrown it. So now salvation is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Stop. No, 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 no. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe women can't be pastors then you can be saved. Because if you believe differently on that, you are lost. Salvation now isn't just trusting in Christ and his finished work. Now, I got no problem saying, well, to believe in Jesus or to believe in God requires an understanding of God, the nature of God, the nature of Jesus. I I can understand that. But when you start adding these additional things, no, 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 no. To be a true Christian, you have to believe this. Oh, but you have to believe this. Oh, you have to believe this. And if you believe this wrong or this wrong, you're not saved. So a person is not, so what happens? They believe in Jesus, but then six months later, they're decide, well, I believe women can be pastors. You go to hell. Is that, is that the way it works? Yeah, exactly. Someone just said, so then logically, the only saved people receive the things of the spirit and have perfect doctrine on all matters. Yeah, perfect doctrine according to the way that person defines perfect doctrine. Because I guarantee you, he would say, I, I, I don't know if that person is reformed or not reformed, but I'm more reformed. So they probably say, oh, you reformed Calvinist. You don't receive the things of the spirit. You're lost. A Presbyterian could be like, oh, wait, you don't believe in infant baptism. You don't receive the things of the spirit. You're lost. And a Lutheran could say, well, you're all lost because you don't believe the infant baptism is a sacrament that, that produces salvation. You're... I, so exactly, it, it, it's the it's the never ending thing that hey hey you don't receive the things of the spirit because you don't believe in the same doctrine I believe in, so you get thrown out of the body of Christ. Christians, it's the go to game. Christians cannot stop themselves. We just talked about this on a today's focus or a, or a podcast what two days ago that we we always want to throw people out of the body of Christ. It's it's the it's the go to thing. Now, I'm not here to resolve the never ending, you know, debate about women being pastors. I'm not, I'm not here to get into, you know, that, that issue. What I am to get, what I am trying to do is I want you to focus on today of these two very uncomfortable realities. The first reality is you can get 20 people to open the Bible and you're not going to get agreement. Now, I don't know how you process that reality. It, it, it it just drives me to the point of insanity because we're like, the scriptures are the final authority. We it's scripture and scripture alone. And then we can't agree. We can't agree. I mean, that, that brings me to the point of just almost like total despair at times. And then the second thing I want you to focus on. And I just want you to just think about these realities and how do you process these realities? It may not bother you. It bothers me to no end, right? And then the second reality is, why is it that the minute, oh, wait, 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 you, you believe women can be ordained? You go to hell. You go to hell. You're not even saved. Whoa, wait a minute. 
I thought salvation was based off the finished work of Jesus Christ alone. <laughs> yeah, but you believe you believe women can be ordained. You go to hell. Well, okay, well, but you believe this. You go to hell. No, you go to hell. No, you go to hell. You go. That's that. That's now Christ. That's that's how Christianity turns into. We we immediately throw people out of the body of Christ and basically saying you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. That's exactly what it turns into. If if someone is a Christian and does something really bad, we immediately throw them out of the body of Christ. Does that not does that not drive you crazy? Does that not that literally here's an article and one hour into an article being just one hour ago, someone's already well that entire denomination is going to hell. They're all lost. The entire denomination. All, the entire denomination is going to hell. I guess anyone who goes to those churches are going to hell. I guess everyone, it's just like, but this person is sitting there somewhere on their couch or, or wherever on their phone, you know, keyboard warrior. I get to determine who goes to hell. It's like, it's like we, 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 we so within the non-Catholic world, we so could not tolerate a Pope. A magisterial, a magisterial authority, because how dare they define doctrine? How they're not in charge. It's the word of God. But all we did was replace one pope with millions of popes. And now here's someone sitting on their phone going, they're all lost. None of them are going to heaven. Okay, wow, wow. Thank you, Pope. What what do we call you? Your your magisterial authority. You, do we re- refer to you as your holiness, your excellency? Do we kiss the ring? Now, I by no means am calling for spiritual and doctrinal anarchy and relativism. I'm not. I'm just trying to point out the harsh reality of the Christian world. Man, in, in, in the perfect world, you own a Bible, I own a Bible. We sit down, we start working on it, and after a couple of hours, we come to the same conclusion. And then we go on to the next subject and we come to the same conclusion. In a perfect world, we would just say, mm, I don't know about their doctrine or theology. Man, that's kind of messed up. Maybe I can help them. Maybe I can challenge them. Maybe maybe I can bring them to a better understanding before I start telling them that they're going to hell. Before I say, you're not even saved. I'm like, man, they're just so confused. Now, again, I, when I was a younger Christian, I would go, I would, I would just, you know, you're not even saved. I, I I went with that. Like that was a standard way of operating. It was it was just because that's what Christians do. I, I watched it my entire Christian life. I'll never forget my fir- my fir- the first time I visited. Well, okay, the first time I ever walked into an independent fundamental Baptist church was in Germany. All right, so I was in Germany. The second time I walked into an independent fundamental Baptist church was in Papillion, Nebraska. We visit on a Sunday. Now, prior to going to the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, I think we were a member. I think we are a member. We were at least attending a Southern Baptist Church not far down the, the road. And it just like, it was so just kind of watered down. It was just not good. So we ended up in this Independent Fundamental Baptist Church. And the pastor comes and visits us 
uh, like on a Monday or a Tuesday, right, to come visit us because we were visitors, right? And he came and visit, and so we told him, you know, um, where where we were and and you know what church we were attending. And he's like, okay. He answered a bunch of bunch of questions, and then right before he left, right before he left. He told me that you are to, that, and he gave me the scripture, I think it's 1 Corinthians, come out from among them and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. Basically saying, because that church is a Southern Baptist church, basically it's an, it's lost. The people there are lost. It's not even a true Christian church. Now that right there should have been a good warning sign, should have been a warning sign. Now, but there, as a, a younger Christian, I was like, that's right. We're going to take a stand. You're right. It is watered down. You're right. And, and immediately just attack it. And then like, okay, I'm going to become an independent fundamental Baptist. And we're going to stand for truth and righteousness and godliness and doctrine. And we're going to do it the right way. And, and, and they're not saved. 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 And they're going to hell. And they're going to hell. And then you kind of realize after a while in that world, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh, there's some craziness going on, and then it turned very cult-like and controlling, and then next thing you know, I was going to hell, basically, okay, because, you know, I, yeah, it's just, it's just a weird world Christianity can fall into. Now, I am not saying we throw out truth. I'm just saying, I think there has to be room, considering no one can come to an agreement. I think there has to be some struggle with how, like, it's a question I don't know when anyone can answer. How wrong can you be theologically and still be a Christian? And it's weird who we throw out, right? Like, like if you believe women can be ordained, you're not a Christian. Okay, but what if, what if a Lutheran believes that you put water on a baby and poof, regeneration? They become a Christian. They're now born again. Is that, is that, are they saved? Or Presbyterians who look at infant baptism in a more sacramental way, because I've had debates with, you know, Presbyterians who try to tell me, no, it is a sacrament. It does regenerate. Okay, well then <laughs> we have two different gospels. Are they saved? If someone is a semi-Pelagian, Arminian, do, are they saved versus a Calvinistic, Augustinian view? When, when, when does your theology throw you out of the family of God? Now, I would obviously believe, you know, if you don't, I think if you go after the basic elements of who God is, who Jesus is, I, well, if you go after the basic elements of the gospel, you think, but see, I don't know if there would be an agreement on that. What if you have a woman standing behind the pulpit, the church ordained her, but she preaches salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone, believes in total depravity, like has like very doctrinally accurate. And you have a church down the street. They have a man they put, they believe only men can be pastors. They can all, they believe men can be pastors, but the man is full-blown Pelagian, not, believes in open theism, doesn't believe God knows everything, uh, believes you can lose your salvation, and believe that works are a part of salvation. Are they lost? 
because this person determined their salvation simply based on the fact that they ordain, they, they're, they're allowing for the ordination of women. That This person threw, immediately threw them out of the family of God. What about that? Who would both be thrown out of the family of God? Or like, like, <sighs> okay, well. It's 48 minutes. You can just hear me trying to work through this. But yeah, it's not what I, it's not, like I said, I wanted to cover something else, but it brings up these deeper issues. See, people are going to read the article and want to debate about women being in ministry. I'm not, I'm not debating that in this episode. What I'm debating is the fact that even this denomination admitted, if we all open up our Bibles, we're not going to come to the same conclusion. So we're going to have to give a little free freedom. We're going to have to give a little leeway here, or we're going to end up basically splitting the entire denomination. And then immediately people are like, they're not saved. What, the entire denomination? I saw the same thing with Rick Warren's church because they ordained women. They're not saved. They're not even true Christians. Okay. I obviously don't agree with Rick Warren's view on philosophy on the church, obviously. Don't agree with his theology and over and over and over. Can't stand the way he preaches as far as how he handles the text. But do I throw him out of the family of God? Do I say he's not saved? And who gets to make that determination? All right, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. How much money would you like to bet that probably before this day is over, I will receive an email being told that I'm not saved? <laughs> probably within an hour, okay? Because that's typically how it works. Christians love to use salvation as a sledgehammer where we can attack people by saying that they're going to hell. That is your today's focus for Wednesday, June the 7th, 2023.